morning, everyone. And uh, welcome to worship at Balhelby, and a particular welcome if you're a visitor with us today. It's great to have you here. Uh, we've got uh, quite a few more folk than usual today, which is lovely to see. Uh, and some of them are here today for, for the uh, blessing of Matilda Lafferty, uh, Carl and Laura's daughter. Carl and Laura were married here a few years back, and then Penelope had a service of blessing, I think, three years back. And today we're here for Matilda, so it's lovely that you've been able to join us with some of your friends and family. And there are folk here in the congregation from as far flung as Orkney and Drum Oak. It's the ends of the earth, you know. Um, so it's great, uh, great to welcome you all here today to worship. Now, I know some of you maybe haven't been back at church since uh, all of this nonsense started 15 months ago. Uh, so a wee, a wee bit of advice. In front of you on the pews, there's a little ticket. If you could just turn that over, that will let the cleaning folk know which pews have been sat in, which I think is most of them today, most of the available pews. We do need you to keep wearing your masks uh, during the service if you can. Uh, we are allowed to sing now, which is great, but you have to keep your masks on when you're singing. Thank you for uh, being patient with me as we try to get you seated today. Uh, I was saying, I think last week, it is a wee bit like Tetris, where you're trying to get everybody fitted into the correct pews. Um, the offertory plate's behind me, and we leave through the vestry door uh, in single file, leaving from the front of the church as we exit the church uh, today. So I think that's all the housekeeping that we need to do. So it's great that you're here. We're here today to, to worship God and to celebrate life together. And we're going to begin in the words of our opening hymn, which is number 211, Today I Awake. Let's worship God together.
Please be seated. I'm going to take a moment to pray together now, and we finish this prayer with the Lord's Prayer, which will appear on the screen as we close. So let's pray together. God of our lives, you teach us to call you by many names, but the first above all is Father. You gave us life, Father, and in bringing us into being, you tied your destiny to ours for all eternity. You know us, Father. You are concerned for us. You watch our progress with pride and our failures with sadness. As our Father, you will nothing but the best for us, but you also give us real freedom to make our own choices even when they bring you pain. So Lord, we ask you to reach out towards us as we reach out to you this morning. Be near us, we pray, and go with us into all that lies ahead of us this week. Send us back to the tasks that must be done, the voices that need our attention, content that we do them and we hear them with you at the centre of our being. Father, we come to this time just as we are, whether content or disturbed, full of energy or bone weary. We long for the peace and the wholeness that you bring when we see things from your perspective and choose to live mindful of your call on our lives. Lord, to a greater or lesser degree, we say that we believe in you. May that belief flourish into a deep trust in who you are and what you desire for us as your children. Thank you that you bless us with the persistent, relentless, selfless love of a good Father. Father, we ask your forgiveness for the things we've said or done which have put us at odds with you or with others this past week, and the things we've failed to say or do which have made things worse than they should have been. Forgive us our short tempers and long memories, our fragile pride and our sense of entitlement, and the apathy we feel towards situations that should really be of concern to us. Forgive us as in a moment of silence we make our own confession to you this morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, says the prophet. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. So, Father, we hear those words today and we accept them, knowing that in doing so, we commit ourselves to showing others the same grace and forgiveness that you have shown to us. So hear these in all our prayers, because we ask them in the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 11, reading verses 25 to 30. And Doreen Crawford is going to read for us. Jesus thanks his Father. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Story. We're now going to sing together again. It's hymn number 182. Now thank we all our God.
Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. Lord, we completely take it for granted that we can call you Father. And yet it was not always so. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, this was how he began, our Father. And that was a revolutionary thing then, and it is today also, that we can have such a close relationship with you, that we can be so sure of your good intention and your love towards us, that we can call you Father, is a remarkable thing. So help us today as we reflect on that, as we reflect on fatherhood itself, we grant that we would leave this time knowing that we are your children and that we are dearly and deeply loved by our Heavenly Father. So hear our prayers, because we ask them in Christ's name. Amen. So if you haven't already worked it out, today is Father's Day, and I want to begin by offering you a few gems on the subject of fatherhood. Oh, that's not the right slide, Greg. I'm not quite... There we go. I like that one. Uh, it's no accident that the dictionary entry for father sits somewhere in between fathead and fatigued. Yep, you can identify with that one. The next one um, is a wee bit more serious from Barack Obama. Any fool can have a child. That doesn't make you a father. It's the courage to raise a child that makes you a father. I like this one from Mark Twain. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. And then lastly, short but true, it's much easier to become a father than to be one. A lot of truth in that, I think. In today's reading, speaking about his own teaching, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. There are things that little children know that adults forget or fail to see. And that means that children, by the very way they are, can teach us a great deal about life and faith and fatherhood. And it's no accident that at one point in his teaching, Jesus draws a little child into the midst of all these adults and he says, this is what you need to become more like, like a little child. And this morning I want to suggest three ways in which children can help us grow up to be the kind of parents, especially dads, maybe grandparents even, that they need us to be. And the first is this, children help us learn to listen. Now let's face it, as a general rule, listening is not something that men are particularly good at. Ladies, if you have something important to say to us, please make sure that you do it during the commercial breaks. Don't interrupt the film, don't interrupt the football, that's just not done. We're not great at listening as a rule, but dealing with kids, takes men into a whole new level of listening. With kids, quite possibly for the first time in our lives, we are forced to exercise a bit of discernment when we listen. For example, 
Dad, I don't have room to finish my fish and chips means that your child has genuinely had enough to eat. Dad, I don't have room to finish my broccoli means that your child thinks they've forced down enough broccoli to still qualify for pudding and yet still satisfy you. And Dad, I don't have room to finish my ice cream means that your child is seriously ill and should be taken to A&E as soon as possible. So with experience, you begin to pick up the nuances. You begin to notice not just what's said, but what is unsaid. You notice the wee patterns in behavior. Most parents will recognize some of that in their kids. Sore tummies on a Sunday night tend to mean that not all is not well at school on a Monday morning. Or a sudden silence about their best friend usually means there's been some kind of a fallout. So with kids, you have to learn to read between the lines and listen with discernment. And that's a skill that all of us need as adults and will struggle in life if we don't develop it. I trained uh, a wee bit in what's called spiritual direction. And one of the things I learned is that when you arrange to talk with people about their spiritual lives, often the things that they present aren't the real issues at all. They might come wanting to talk about feeling empty or feeling prayerless, but the real issue might be overwork or a key relationship that's under strain. So being able to listen with discernment, reading between the lines is a very important life skill and something that quite inadvertently the kids in our lives can help us with. So kids help us learn to listen, but they also help us learn to practice what we preach. You know that old saying, do as I say, not as I do. Well, that's a load of rubbish. And kids know that from a very early age. How many times as a parent did you find yourself saying, well, for goodness sake, will you stop moaning in a moany voice? Or don't you dare pull that angry face at me while you're wearing your finest scowl. Somebody once wrote that the real menace about dealing with a five-year-old is that at no time at all you begin sounding like a five-year-old. For better or for worse, kids learn what they live with and it can delight us or occasionally horrify us when we see our behavior reflected back in theirs. There's a story about an American family who invited their new neighbors over for dinner one night and they weren't especially religious, but they got the impression that the new neighbors were. So when they sat down for the meal, the dad said to his nine-year-old son, Mike, uh, Mike, why don't you say grace for us tonight? And this wasn't something that they did very often. So poor Mike looked terrified. So dad said, look, don't worry, son. Just say what I said to God at lunchtime. So Mike bowed his head and said, dear God, why did we have to invite these awful people for dinner tonight? Joking aside, the inventor and the businessman Charles Kettering once said, every father should remember that one day his children will follow his example, not his advice. There's a big difference there. The poem, Children Learn What They Live, is well known almost to the point of cliche, but like every cliche, there's a good measure of truth in it. A child who lives with criticism learns to condemn. A child who lives with hostility learns to fight. A child who lives with ridicule learns to be shy. 
child who lives with shame learns to feel guilty. A child who lives with tolerance learns to be patient. A child who lives with encouragement learns confidence. A child who lives with praise learns to appreciate. A child who lives with fairness learns the ways of justice. A child who lives with security learns to have faith. And a child who lives with approval learns to like themselves. If children live with acceptance and friendship, they learn to find love in the world. Good words, I think. And I have to say what's true of family life is also true of spiritual life. Kids and grandkids, for that matter, can sniff out hypocrisy at 20 paces. If our lives don't match our public profession, if we say that faith's important to us, but don't live it out in daily life, they'll soon get the message. This God stuff doesn't really matter very much at all. Robert Ingersoll says, a child is not likely to find a father in God unless she finds something of God in her father. Most of what we learn, our children learn rather, in their first 10 years of life, they learn from their parents. And to a large extent, those years set the trajectory for their lives. That's a big part of the reason why it's important to practice what we preach. There's one more thing that we can learn from our kids, and that's the importance of making ourselves available for them. Part of our maturing as human beings sees us move from infancy, where self is everything, to adulthood, where self no longer has to take center stage all the time. At least I hope that's what we're moving towards in adulthood, not necessarily looking at the world around sometimes. But a good father has to be willing to sacrifice some of his own needs and desires to make room for those of his children. And that can be hard, especially when he's running hard to meet the demands of work life and home life. But the importance of those times with dad can't be overestimated. James Boswell was a lawyer and an author most noted for his biography of Dr. Samuel Johnson. And on one occasion he was asked to recall the most important day in his life and he said that it had happened many years earlier when he was a child when his father had invited him to go fishing. And although he'd forgotten almost all of his childhood days, that one stood out because of a conversation he had with his dad that opened up to him what life was really all about. And years later, a historian tracked down the diary of Boswell's father to see what he made of that most important day in the life of his famous son. And the diary entry just read, went fishing today with my son, a whole day wasted. To his dad, it felt like time wasted. No doubt there were things he needed to do, people he needed to see transactions that had to be made and meetings that had to be prepared for. And maybe those things were weighing heavily on him as they baited their hooks and sat together by the riverside. I guess most dads could identify with those kinds of thoughts. But to the son, it was the most important day in his life. We have no idea 
of how much an impact what we say and what we do will have on our children. And so much of fatherhood is in the small, seemingly inconsequential things, like making yourself available to them, even when it comes at a cost. Raising a family is hard, but help is at hand if we're willing to take it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is a promise to all the fatigued fatheads out there who are learning to be fathers or maybe grandfathers, mothers or maybe grandmothers. Let the Father of all care for you as you learn to listen with discernment, to practice what you preach and to make yourself available for the children in your life who, God willing, will one day grow up not just to be your children, but to be your friends. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Alan Jeffrey if he would come up now and lead us in our prayers for others. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you now in prayer, recognizing that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the great healer and comforter. We give thanks that you sent your son Jesus to show us your way to live our lives. On this particular day, we know that many people will not give you a passing thought, but we remember your example of how to be a father, full of compassion, encouragement, support, forgiveness, provision, and love. Help us all to show these characteristics to our own children in a way that they feel the deep love we have for them. Help us remember the dire consequences of doing our own thing, going our own way, which may often be contrary to your way for us. Help us to follow your guidance found in your word and through prayer. Lord, as we look back on our own lives with you, we remember times when we were acutely aware of your presence, times of sorrow in a strange place, meeting a complete stranger who, through general conversation, we discover that you have brought us together as Christians, and then the human connections are revealed. We know that you are there in the midst of it all. We know that we are in the right place, at the right time, with the right person, chosen by you. What joy, what peace, what praise fills our hearts. When life or death decisions have to be made, we thank you for the words and actions of Christian friends. We speak of hope and encouragement in ways you have laid on their hearts. Once again, love transcends all and brings us so close to you. Thanks for your commitment to us. Lord, we have heard in today's reading that you reveal profound issues to our children. Help us to listen to them and take on board their fears and concerns. Help us to remove these issues where we can. A six-year-old daughter, whose father was a heavy smoker, 
she approached him with sad eyes and a faltering voice and said, Dad, I don't want you to die from lung cancer. When he realized the traumatic effect this matter had on his young daughter, he decided to remove her worry by stopping smoking there and then. He didn't find it easy, but he persevered and his daughter became much more relaxed and thought he was the best dad in the world. Was he a bit like our Father in Heaven? His action had removed the worry. There were many people watching the recent Danish game at the Euros, including a seven-year-old boy, who saw what happened when Ericsson had a cardiac arrest and found out that his life had been saved by the use of a defibrillator. He pondered this for a while, then approached his father with a question. What if that had happened at our football club? We don't have a defibrillator. I want to raise money to get one. He decided to walk to do so, and his father was so proud of his seven-year-old son that he said he would walk with him. Was he a little bit like our father in heaven? His support had given his son the determination to succeed. Someone's five-year-old grandson was excited as his mum was expecting a new arrival in the family. He had been thinking about this, especially about his mum's distended tummy. He approached his grandpa and asked the question, Grandpa, are you going to have a baby? This was brought on by his grandfather's girth, the result of years of overeating. Was this boy a built like our father in heaven? A correction which gave his grandfather something to ponder. Lord, many of us will have heard words from our children which have brought us up short and made us change our ways through love and their concerns. Today is Father's Day, but let's all remember mothers, for without a mother there would be no father. On this day of family love, we also realise that many do not enjoy such love. We bring to those who are to, torn by war, famine and instability. You have only the hope of changing the minds of men who know the loss of loved ones and hated ones. We pray you into these situations so they know that peace which can only come from you. We think of those who have lost loved ones during this lockdown period where it is not possible to pay respects in the normal way. Help them come to terms with their loss and loneliness. As the end of the furlough scheme approaches, we pray that you will comfort those who have lost their jobs, had to change their way of life dramatically, had to seek help from others. We pray for those who are ill and have not been able to receive normal treatments due to the demands of tending those who have contracted COVID-19. We pray for those who have mental health issues and give thanks for the nurses and carers who get alongside patients to make their lives more tolerable and show them love. Lord, we raise these issues because we know that as they concern us, they concern you. In closing, we thank you for the gift of your precious son, Jesus, to whom we can cast our worries and then return, receive peace and rest. In his precious name, Amen. Just while you're getting ready, I've got a few wee words to say to you. Just come on out. Uh, firstly, we're just delighted that you're here today. 
uh, with your friends and your family uh, to present uh, Matilda for a blessing. Just, just come down here. That's right. yeah. um, it was really good to catch up with you guys earlier this week and find out how you're adjusting to number two because it is a steep learning curve having your first child, but having your second brings a whole lot of other new challenges. You have to dig out the cot and the buggy and all the baby stuff and you remember something that you'd almost started to forget now that your eldest is three, which is that there's an inversely proportional relationship between the age of your child and the amount of stuff that you need to look after them. So if you're going somewhere for the weekend, the car boot is filled with baby stuff and then there's a little travel bag for you to stuck somewhere in the corner. And when baby number two comes along, you've got to start splitting your time and making sure that both of them are getting the attention that they need. And when baby's asleep, mum doesn't get to curl up on the sofa for 40 winks like she maybe did first time around, and she doesn't get that chance. So it was good to hear that Matilda has been a really good baby, feeding well and sleeping well, and bringing lots of smiles and fun into everybody's lives. And I hear that Penelope is being a really good big sister and helping in lots of ways with bath time and entertaining her wee sister too. And that's great. So well done, Penelope, on being a good big sister. But apart from all the practical stuff, there's a deeper question that couples often have before the second child arrives, which is, will we have enough love to share with number two? It feels like so much love is directed to your first child. You wonder if there'll be anything left over for your second. But then she arrives and you discover to your great relief that there is more than enough love to go around and your heart's capacity is far bigger than you'd ever realized. So Carl and Laura, we're celebrating the love that you have for your girls today and we're celebrating the love that God has for them too and remembering that Matilda and Penelope have a place in God's heart and it's our hope that over the course of their lifetimes they'll come to find a place for God in their hearts. So Carl and Laura, in recognizing the goodness of God and granting you the gift of your daughter, do you desire God's blessing upon her? And do you promise that you will seek to be worthy and loving parents for her at every stage of her life? Matilda Laurie Lafferty, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and following his example, I commit you to the care and protection of God our Father. May he bless you with all that is good in this life, but most especially with the only things that last forever, with faith, hope, and love. May the Lord bless you, and may he keep you all the days of your life. Amen. Now, we've got some wee gifts for the girls, and as we give them out, I think we should give them a round of applause. So there you go, Ken. It's a wee present for you, darling. Now we're going to say a wee prayer just now, and this is for the Lafferty's, but I think it's also for all of us on this uh, Father's Day. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to understand the children in our lives, to listen patiently to what they have to say and to answer all of their questions kindly. Keep us from interrupting them or contradicting them. Make us as courteous to them as we would have them be to us. Never let us laugh at their mistakes or resort to shame or ridicule when they annoy us. May we never punish them for our own selfish satisfaction or to show our power over them. 
guide us day by day, so we might demonstrate by all that we say and do that openness and honesty are part of what makes for strong relationships and happiness. Mellow any meanness within us, and when we're out of sorts, help us hold our tongues and keep our tempers. Help us remember that children are children, and we shouldn't expect of them the judgment of adults. Grant us the patience to allow them to grow into responsibility and start making their own decisions. Bless us with the bigness to grant them all their reasonable requests and the courage to deny them the privileges we know might do them harm. Make us fair and wise and kind. And as we love and respect them for who they are, may they rest easy in the affection in which they are held and return it in kind. Amen. We're going to close our worship now in the words of our final hymn, which is number 113, God the Father of Creation.
Now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.